0: I seem, fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast episode two twenty eight. I am recording this um, a few weeks in advance. so um, it's really March twenty sixth right now. If you care, but you know I haven't been doing any topical political stuff for a while because i just it's when john dean the former nixon uh i don't know with the guy that turned um he just tweeted we're all going to die the other day after john bolton got um named as whatever i can't my head is exploding what was he named as a national security advisor yeah that sounds right yeah he wants to nuke everything and um Mark my words, we will launch a nuke as Mueller is coming to get Trump. So, all right, that's that's my opinion. It will not go anywhere, and that's all I have to say about that. So, enjoy your life while you can, and who knows, maybe this <laughs> will never air. Um, okay. Well, that's started off depressing. I didn't, I didn't mean it, for it to be depressing. Get your spirits back up, people. It's I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Coming at you live from the All Things Comedy studio. Go to allthingscomedy.com and check out all the other great podcasts done by comedians. Not all of them are about comedy. Comedians like all kinds of things. History, sports. Come on. Just go to the website. Now listen to me. You're also going to be able to watch this if you like to see what it looks like. I'm in studio. I stand up in studio and I have these cool plaid pants on. Um, so we'll get you the details on that. Now I know we're all kind of getting off Facebook, but see the thing is i'm most people get off Facebook because they 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 gave all their personal info they can't believe it. I knew this years ago I didn't give my personal info to Facebook ever, but I have a fake account with a fake name and um because when you have a fan page, you know when you have a lot of fans like me, you have to use a fan page specifically and then but you have to have a real page attached to it, so I have to have that. In order to whatever now i'm thinking what well, well, why don't I get rid of the fan page because facebook is evil and I shouldn't Have anything to do with them. Um, I know I also have to make a living. So I don't know Uh if I will get off slowly. I will get off slowly if I can get you all to join my freaking email blast um Which people are weirdly unsubscribing to rapidly now. I don't understand. <laughs> I write a personal email to you every week uh, Maybe I send it out too much. Maybe it's every other week. It should be but um If you go to JenKirkman.com, right on the homepage is where you can sign up. We don't spam you. We don't sell anything to Russia or Mark Zuckerberg. It's way safer than checking out my tour dates anywhere else. So, there's that. Um, This episode is brought to us by Away Luggage and Talkspace, two of my favorite sponsors. And also, so I feel a little neglected, you guys. Um, I feel like we used to talk a lot more. And I want to hear from you guys more. So... Whether you tweet me at Jen Kirkman or at I Seem Fun Podcast, that's the best way. I don't have a lot of filters on that Twitter account, so I will see your message to me at I Seem Fun Podcast on Twitter. Please follow it. I don't like that I have two hundred and fifty thousand followers on my Twitter, but then on that one I have like four thousand. Like, looks chintzy. So go do go join that, follow that, and uh, tweet me. What do you What do you like about this show? What do you not? Not what you don't. Just anything that like. You know, you want to talk about the episode. I'm also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash I seem fun podcast. That's where people usually write. But I understand if y'all are getting off the Facebook, again I will at some point too. And then you can always email the podcast because I do listener emails a lot. I seem fun at gmail dot com. And if you listen to the show regularly, you get a flavor of what the listener emails are all about. So oh my God, big day. Big day. So oh quickly tour dates. Bloomington, Indiana, I will be there May 10th, 11th, and 12th, five shows total. It's. I am not going to be anywhere else in Indiana this year. Um, I choose to play that club, the Comedy Attic. It's an incredible place. Um, they know how to treat comics. They know how to respect the art of comedy. They know how to respect the audience. And I will personally be selling merchandise after every show. It's a nice, small, intimate space in a real liberal haven, Um. The, the the little two mile radius of bloomington indiana it might even be smaller <clears throat> Cool sound so please come to that dot click tour dates for tickets. Please buy them in advance No one is more neurotic than me about ticket sales than jared the owner of the comedy Attic. Don't give him a heart attack and buy them the night of he likes advanced sales. It makes everyone feel calm And uh, I will be in Bloomington Bur- burlington vermont In October, I believe it's the 11th through the 13th But if you want to be sure you go to JenKirkman.com, click tour dates Again, another comedy club that I specifically go to Because I want them to stay in business I support them, they are fantastic for comedy So, five shows as well for that one Small venue though So don't dick around with You know, not getting tickets And I again will be selling merch at those And then London Okay, so this is, I'm going to be honest with my people Maybe I shouldn't be But um, I have to do some business In London in the arena of I want to talk to some TV networks about an idea And uh, I couldn't do it last time I was there because I was still Working with abc on my pilot that didn't go But I can't just like fly to london and do these meetings like it looks a little weird So I'm, i'm doing a show. So it's like oh i'm here for the show I if you guys are fans of me and want more of me in london Like you want me to work there by getting a show there. I would come to the show june 22nd it's going to be at the Leicester Square Theater. And you're like, I take the Times Square of London. I don't feel like going. I know. I know. But you're going to go. So just put Thursday, June 22nd in your little calendar. And just when tickets go on sale, you'll know by either joining that email blast or by listening here, following me on Twitter, Instagram, at Jen Kirkman on Instagram. So I need you to come. Now, yeah, I'm going to be doing material you've heard before. So I understand. feel like I can't see that twice. But again... It's a personal favor i'm asking to support me and if you can't come then tell friends that like me that didn't get to See me last time a few months ago when I was at the soho house tell them to come see me june 22nd I need you all in london to be my little publicists And uh, no, I will not be going anywhere anywhere else in the uk. I have to get right back home I do have a little uk tour going around in my brain. I just it's a lot of money for me to risk And I'm not sure if this year is a good year to take financial risks. So it'll either be fall this year or early spring next year. But I would like to hit um, the places that comedians hit and that I know people have watched my Netflix special in. So I will be back, but I'll do Manchester when when I do that tour. Okay, let's get into the episode. So by the time you hear this, I will be having surgery no, wait a minute, wait a minute. This goes out on Tuesday the 3rd. I'm having surgery that day. So when you're hearing this, hopefully I won't be dead. But if I'm not dead, I will be home, probably sleeping off the anesthesia. So I don't know if y'all remembered two years ago when I was trying to figure out what the fuck was going on with my voice, and I was always going, you know, they figured out it was some acid reflux. Now, there's also that post-nasal drip, but I don't have allergies. I got tested, and I wasn't obviously sick for 20 years. And so they were trying to figure out why is that post-nasal drip dripping? And one theory is, I mean, it's not a theory. It's really true whether it, that's what was going on in my body is a theory. But when you have acid reflux, and again, it's not heartburn. You cannot feel it. It's called silent reflux. Most of us have it. When you have that coming up, it's like heat and acid coming up, and then your body knows to respond and but your body's dumb. So it's like, I'll make more mucus. And it makes cooling mucus to go down. So you start postnasal dripping because you have the reflux. So that's what they thought maybe it was. Then I had that one doctor, remember this guy two years ago, he does a CAT scan of me and then I go in his office and he goes, This cancer. And I'm like, what? He's like, ah that could be. And I go, What? And it was very scary. So I stopped going to that older gentleman. Um, and I found an amazing, I can't pronounce it, otolaryngologist, And he, Listen, he knows what he does. I don't need to pronounce it. It's not like if I pronounce it, he'll do a better job. So he was like, let me look at this. So he, we did the CAT scan and, and it's called your sphenoid sinus. Look it up. It's not sinuses in the front of your face. It's back. It's near the ear. It's near whatever. So when you have blocked sphenoid sinuses, it doesn't feel anything like a cold or anything like that. And they can only be seen by a CAT scan. They, you cannot look up your nose and see them. They're hidden in the back. And uh, they can cause migraines. I've never had one. It can cause you to go blind because it's near the optic nerve if it's too infected and if it starts to swell. And it can give you meningitis, the kind that kills you. So it's not great to have a blocked sphenoid sinus. And when you find out that you have one, what they also don't know is how long you've had it. Have you had it your whole life? Did you catch a virus three years ago when you had some cold and it just got stuck in there? Is it acute or is it chronic? And um, it is so acute. Uh, thank you. sir. Uh, thank you. Laugh out loud from Aaron in studio at that terrible Italian accent joke. Do you know that I get shit for my Netflix special, everybody, that I tell this story It's a dumb story about a ghost tour I went on with a little old Italian man. And, like, the purpose of the story, too, is, like, it's just the way his accent, the lilt, he has a lilt in his voice like someone with an Italian accent. Like, it's someone Italian would tell you this. And he's like, oh, my God. And everything was just, like, a big reaction. And people are calling me racist for that impression. I'm like, come on, everybody. Let's calm down. I'm not oppressing. Uh, Oh, shut up. Just shut up, everybody. So anyway, um, so yeah, so I, you can only see it from a cat skin. So I don't know how long I've had it. Is it acute or is it chronic? I don't know. I do know that this year when I got a cold, I haven't had a cold in three years, that I was getting intense headaches on top of my head. I didn't have a stuffy nose. I had the postnasal drip. So now, oh, so the reason they found out that I have the postnasal drip is because the sphenoid sinus is blocked but there's a tiny hole at the bottom where the blockage drips whenever it wants. And that's what I was feeling. It wasn't the normal drainage of postnasal drip. So anyway, boring, I know, but I started looking it up online years ago. It was like the most dangerous surgery you can get. It's near the brain. You're going to die. It's so bad. And then the new doctor I had, is like, it's just a younger guy. He's just like, no, you just put a balloon up there. It's called sinusplasty or something. He's like, No, the technology's changed drastically since any of those articles on the internet were written. I'm like, okay. So he's like, we'll just put you under anesthesia because it's more comfortable. And now I'm like, I used to love anesthesia. you guys. So anyway, they're going to drain it, and they wash it out. And I looked at one of the surgeries online. It's pretty wild. They shove a lot of gauze up your nose. And um, here's my thing. I never used to be afraid of anesthesia, and now I am. When I had it uh, September 2016 – to get um what do you call it um, upper endoscopy it was one of those things it was like even if you have someone come with you your best friend your boyfriend your mother your cat whoever comes with you the minute you get there and they take you into the area where you change and you lay in this they basically take you to the recovery area pre and post surgery so you're in the recovery area which it's actually way more comfortable before the surgery, because, like, you lay in this little bed, you've got your gown, they come in, they take all your vitals, how you doing, everyone's so nice, there's a lot of waiting, you got your magazine, you're on your phone, like a cozy blanket, really nice. Well, at least that's how they do it at Cedars. But the guest you bring with you, they have to wait in the lobby basically the second you walk in. So, like, they're there, I suppose they can drive you home, but you don't even need people to drive you home anymore, they allow you to go home in an Uber, so... It's really just someone there for moral support. But it's better for me if I can see the person and like grab their hand, you know. I suppose it's good if you're dead they can have someone right there. But um yeah, and so last time um I had my guest with me and then I went into the waiting area and I was like, "Wait, I still have to be here alone?" and it was scary and I was like, "I remember when I got my tonsils out when I was 20. One, I, my parents came with me because it was back in Boston. And I was scared s And my dad said to them, she's really nervous. Can she get a little something before the anesthesia? And I don't remember what they gave me. Whether it was I think they shoved a needle in my hand or something. And I was like, oh, Lord, is this great. And then I wasn't scared to get anesthesia. And I loved it. And I had that same thing happen when I got a lump in my boob removed in New York City. I was just like, not even scared. I'm like, when is the anesthesia they're like ma'am you have to get in the building first i was like oh okay so i was so excited and then now as i get older i've developed a fear maybe because people die from it sometimes and look i know if you're there and oh i just read the scariest article in the new yorker do not read this fucking article everybody it is i'll tell you in a minute it's oh my god so i'm gonna write that down because i'm gonna forget to tell you so um i have uh It's just so – I mean, I booked it for April 3rd, and I'm like, I can postpone it, but I can't because I'll be in New York most of the year, and um, you can't fly for like two weeks after you do it, so I had to pick a time when I'd be here but not flying, and this is the only time. So unless I want to put it off to like November, which I could, but my doctor was like, maybe you want to do it sooner than later. So I have a pre-op meeting with him on Monday, and I'm going to tell him my concerns which are death and more death. And I'm just going to sort of feel out how anxious I am about it. And uh, I know I can't, if it's going to kill me, it's going to kill me. So I have to kind of decide, like, do I want to deal with that anxiety next week or in November? Um, I feel like putting it off. But when I saw him last, he was like, you know what? Ever since you got this cold, it's 10% more blocked and it just keeps building So you should get surgery for it in general. Um, Originally, he was like, you don't need surgery if you've had this your whole life and it just doesn't bother you, then it's fine. But now he's like, "Mm, I think you might. So I don't know. Of course, I'm nervous that they're going to drain it and, you know, everyone that got fired from Trump's administration will come out. And then also they'll be like, and you have cancer. But you know what? If I have cancer, then I better know about it. If it's there, it's there. So me not knowing isn't going to do anything. So, and I got the BRCA gene test and I don't have genetic predisposition for breast cancer or 17 other kinds of cancers. And my sister who had breast cancer got the BRCA gene test and she doesn't have the gene for cancer. So we don't know what happened with her. She just went rogue and got some cancer. So, um, but she's fine now. You know, she, it's, she's been uh, cancer free for I think 11 years and uh, got to keep her boobs, the whole thing. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know. It's just anxiety. It's just fear of fear, folks. Fear of fear. I just have to go do it. I'm going to be getting the best care possible. Um, it's just that moment before the last time I did this, I started... Because the doctor even told me, you know, when you get an upper endoscopy, you don't have to go under. We can just give you some twilight. It might make you happy. I'm like... I don't know. I think I'll still feel a breathing tube and a thing go down my thing. I I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that. Like, I'm going to know it's there and that's going to freak me out. I think I should just be asleep. I I believe I told you this before you got yours that I woke up during endoscopies twice. That's right. Yeah. (sighs) And that was horrifying. Horrifying, right? Because... They put you right back down, but it's still... (sighs) You just feel like... And, and that's another article I just read where they're like, no, they know that they know when you're going to wake up, they, um, your heart starts beating faster and your vitals come more alive. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's terror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, but you've already woken up at that point. And yeah. then also what normal person, if your vitals are starting to come to life, would then just knock you right out? Wouldn't they have to let you wake up for a minute just to make sure you're okay? I don't know. It just seems my worst nightmare, but yeah, but you didn't have that thankfully. No, but what about this one? I could have it on this one. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) Thank you for your support. (laughs) But I feel like, you know, dying under anesthesia, I'm assuming, because we all know you go under, except for Aaron who wakes up, but when you wake up and it's done, you really go, my God, I could have died, I would not have known, would I? I mean, it is deep oblivion. Does that mean I have an extra will to live? The fact that I've woken up twice... (laughs) Like your body didn't even like being unconscious it unconscious, and you were like, no, let me get out of here. Maybe it might be, you might have such a will to live that you won't even let them make you unconscious. Or it could be that they didn't give you enough anesthesia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're not, you know, a two foot tall pixie. You're, no. you're a big tall man. So mm-hmm. I think that that's probably what it was, but I like the idea of the will to live. Yeah. My will to live is so strong. I will not even go under it. I will just risk my life. Which, see, again, it makes no sense. So mm, I'm nervous. Of course, the Internet is like, it's the most dangerous surgery in the world. And this guy's like, I do 50 a minute. But so we're, we're, but they want me to do pre... So I have an appointment next Monday. So again, by the time you hear this, it's all happened. But I have an appointment to get a pre-op. And uh, well, maybe I'll air this earlier. No, I did the ads. But listen, listen, this is what it looks like. So I have to do a pre-op, which is... um. You know, you get a chest x-ray and your vitals and an EKG. I got to do that in a few days. And I'm like, God, like, it's it's when they take all these precautions that I'm like, that is a big deal to go under. It's a big deal. Yeah. But if you pass these, you probably won't die. I think so. Yeah. And you know what? Listen, that you can't plan your death. And maybe that would be a good way for someone like, you know, I don't know. But oof, it's been on my mind lately. So I'm. We're going to see what happens, but um, I will be spitting up a lot of blood after, they said, for a few days. Um, you bleed a lot. They basically clean it out so thoroughly that it's like, you know, when you when you wash your hands so much, they start to bleed kind of thing. It's just like bloody and, you know, very sensitive. But that's okay. But the article I read in The New Yorker, do not read this, everybody. Oh, my God. It was the saddest little article in the world, um, and it was 9,000 pages long. And I read it at 3 in the morning the other night. Oops. So, yeah it basically and i'm gonna get it wrong but there was a little girl and she was kind of chubby and she got teased at school but she had this amazing spirit and she seemed to kind of be wise beyond her years and i think she was 13 and she um went in for you know to get her tonsils out because they kept getting infected and her mother was like i think the best thing is if you get them out which is true and she asked the doctor now how many of these do you do a day he's like a million you're fine nobody's ever died from this and she's like okay But if I do, like, you'll take care of, you know, you you make sure that I don't die. And he's like, nope, you won't die. So she wakes up and something had ruptured. It's like a 2% chance this happens and it has happened. Something ruptured somewhere and there was like, almost like um, internal bleeding, but it was external bleeding. So she was bleeding, her nose, her mouth, she was filling like just pints of blood you know and the nurses weren't taking care of her the doctor wasn't they were getting this really weird treatment she was in the hospital for two days and it was kind of a The article is about how it's sort of a racial thing you know like if this person was white would they really have, have let her just keep bleeding like this until she went unconscious and she was in a coma and her brain she was brain dead and so when you're brain dead it's the back stem you know the bottom of the brain and the neck that whole area and they're like it's never coming back to life now, the mother, and I feel like anyone would be like this, was in hysterics and was like, we're not pulling the plug. We're not pulling the plug. And they had her on life support. And they were trying to explain to the mother that, you know, eventually, even if a body is on life support, if it's brain dead, it will decompose, which I didn't know that. So they basically did this thing where they were like, fine, we'll, we'll take her off life support and we'll, um, you know, take her to the morgue or whatever you do. And then they like took the body like they basically had another company come put her on life support like in a van And then they flew her to new jersey or something like that And she lived in this facility for months where they can't kick you out because a lot of Religions believe that it's the breath and the heart that indicates life and not the brain And so if your heart can still be I mean if you're being kept alive you're still alive So I don't know there was all these kind of things and then But the body was not decomposing, and then she got her period, and they're like, well, maybe it's not. It's like, obviously, that's what it is. She's 13, and she's bleeding from her vagina. So then the mother did this thing where she kept talking to her and saying, what finger do we give people when we're mad? And she would do her middle (laughs) finger, and she'd say, kick your leg, and she would kick her leg. And it was like, you know, it wasn't instant, but it was not It's not like that Terry Schiavo thing where they're like, she can see, look at the balloons. And people were like, no, but that's a normal, like, there's a lot of stuff in the science of it all. That's why it's such a long article that explains why someone might be able to kick their foot. It doesn't necessarily mean they're alive. It means this and that. But these scientists came in and monitored her and they're like, okay, this is weird. She's brain dead, but the frontal lobe is getting better and better. But the back part that's going to like beat her heart and do this thing is never going to get better. But she's In there in a way and she is responding to Sound and move her finger and all this and so I was like, oh god But the whole point of the article was like this girl always had this wonderful spirit But when so when two people would talk over her bed one on one side She would get anxious and put her hand up because she doesn't like people talking over her like she's a body that isn't there So if you talked to your mom, you know the mom and other kids so when her sister her brother would talk to the mom. They would stand on the same side of the bed. And so I was like, this is my worst nightmare. Like, it sounds like her soul, her very soul was trapped in there or something. And, and, uh, I'm assuming, I don't know at that point if there's any emotions to be felt or if it's just some weird robotic scientific thing. But the mom said that she asked her, like, do you want to stay here? And she gave the thumbs up and I'm like, Oh God, but she's never going to come back to life. So I, f- This I am so bad at retaining information. I'm like, so I forget what happened. But I think as of the article When it was written, I believe that girl is still alive or you know still on the, the life support So I don't know. I don't know why I read it 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 was um, I couldn't sleep and then i'm like, let me read this and it was just going around on twitter. Um So i'm gonna google it while I tell you this next thing but yeah, I think i'm just having an overall Okay, yeah, it's called What Does It Mean to Die? Um, When Jahi McMath was declared brain dead by the hospital, her family disagreed. Her case challenges the very nature of existence. Written by Rachel Aviv, January 29th. So, oh yeah, for the past four years, Jahi, I think it's Jahi or Ahi, McMath has breathed under the help of a ventilator. A neurologist described her as an extremely disabled, but very much alive teenage girl. But at one point they had declared her dead. And um, we're going to take her off life support. So I imagine that would have been a nightmare if she were not totally dead and they took her off life support. It would be a long, excruciating death as opposed to more of a body death when they take you off life support. So I think this is just horrifying and terrifying. And yeah, so she's still alive. It's a great read. Um, but really, why did I read it at three in the morning? Um, but yeah, I've been having a thing. I think it's just some kind of, you know, uh, during different periods of my life, I have anxiety about different things. And if I'm obsessed and focused on one area of my life, then the other areas don't get any play. Like, like, let's say I'm focused on a relationship problem or something. Uh, then I don't think about my career or other stuff. I mean, I think about it, but I'm like, ah, it's fine. And, and I, I move on. So I'm, my, I'm learning, like this is when I'm working on therapy and all the stuff that I do, to give everything equal attention. And so now it's like I feel my feelings about everything. You know, if I have a career disappointment, I really feel it. If I, and it's good. And you process and you move on. But I think there's just this, I think I was so numb last year that I had this habit of like reading the news before bed. And like listening to political podcasts and I was like, I don't care. I was in a depression last year and I'm like, this isn't getting into my DNA. I don't care. It's actually like giving me life. I like that everybody is <laughs> like angry and whatever. It's, it's soothing. It was weirdly soothing to listen to that kind of shit before bed. Um, and now that I've sort of evened out and I'm not depressed like that anymore, I'm like, oh my God, this is terrifying. And so I think my body is like, can you stop thinking about upsetting things before bed? But I have this thing in my brain, and it's where the panic disorder came in with my fear of flying, which is like, you're not going to fool me. I'm going to think about how this flight might crash so that when I get on it and it's crashing, I'll be able to say, I thought it might. So I'm not taken by surprise. It's the dumbest thing. So when I'm starting to fall asleep now, I'll nod out, and then I'll wake up and I'm holding my breath. Now, it's not like sleep apnea, which I know is the literal definition. I just said it. But it's not like all throughout the night and I feel tired the next day. It's like I'm holding my breath. I'm like... (sighs) So... I don't know what's going on. I have a new policy. I mean, obviously I know this. I'm not an idiot. I tell all my friends with insomnia, like what to do all the time because I don't have insomnia, but I think it's just like, yeah, I can only read in bed. Um, like I've got fun books, you know, I'm reading Dan Harris's book, um, meditation for fidgety skeptics, but it's not, it's, it's sort of a how to, but it's not really because who wants to read that? It's a, it's about a road trip he took with his, Friend uh, recently and taught people how to meditate, but it's like stories of people. And then there's a new book by a lady about female friendships and the power of them called Text Me When You Get Home. So I'm reading, you know, like those fun, nice books before bed, and I'll fall asleep within four minutes of reading. That's why I never finish anything for a year. And so, and I put my little lavender oil on and all that kind of stuff, and I put the white noise machine on. That's what I need to do. And then last night I did it and I fell asleep very peacefully. But it's when I bring the news and things or depressing movies into my bed, I sleep. I wake up in a terror at at some point. So I think, I have to admit I'm human and the news is getting to me. And I used to be last year, it doesn't bother me. And now I'm like, oh God. So I think I just have to start having better mm -mm -mm, nighttime self-care. And in that vein, you think I would be excited to go oblivious for a day under anesthesia, but I'm having control issues with going to sleep. And so therefore I'm going to have control issues with going under anesthesia. It's like, bop, 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 Just want to know. Just want to make sure everyone knows that I'm aware this could go wrong. Um, Anyway, what in the fuck is it? I think I gotta do an ad up in here. I'm gonna do an ad. People, listen. Well, therapy. Thank God for therapy. I talked about this in therapy. Although my therapist was trying to overanalyze it, I'm like, listen, I'm not. It's not literal. Like, it's. It's. I'm just doing some weird thing here, honey. Um, But you know, it's good because. One of the things I like about therapy is when they poke around and they tell you, well, what if it's this? What if it's that? When you know it's not something, you kind of react in a way where you're like, no, it's not that. And then you have a revelation, but you wouldn't have had it unless you were kind of pushed. So that's why I think a lot of people, we are stressed out and we don't even know it. We just walk around. We carry this stress from the world. I mean, and we're just like, okay. You know, everyone's like, oh, I'm drinking more that Trump is elected. Well, you can't do that forever. And so I recommend everybody my favorite sponsor, Talkspace. It is online therapy for how we live today. You don't have to drive anywhere to see a therapist. It's very private. It's way cheaper than therapy. You don't need to have to have insurance. It's Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. Go to Talkspace.com slash Jen to read all about it. And if you sign up, you can use code Jen to get $45 off of your first month. So Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Can't imagine fitting another appointment into your life? Well, with Talkspace, therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message. No commutes, no leaving the office, and no judgments. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com general and use the code GEN to get $45 off of your first month. You have over 2,000 choices of licensed therapists, and you can message them whenever you need to. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. And, uh, yep, so to match with the perfect therapist, Talkspace.com slash to get $45 off your first month. Do it, people. And away luggage. I know it sounds like a lie. Whenever I use this luggage, which is whenever I travel, so I guess whenever I travel, people look at me plugging my phone into the suitcase, charging. There is a phone charger in the carry-on bags, and they are so jealous. And, um, and I went to New York with three of these suitcases and fit so much clothing in there and so much stuff. It, it holds more than anything, and it has great compression. Away luggage, here's the deal awaytravel.com/fun you will get $20 off of a suitcase visit awaytravel.com/fun and use promo code fun at checkout i have a matching 3 piece set and then i bought an extra one as well so i have every size in sand i highly recommend you get yourself a matching 3 piece set they will automatically give you a $100 discount for a carry on a medium and a large suitcase in addition to the $20 off a suitcase that I'm offering you today. So that's $120 off of a luggage set. They offer high-quality materials, offering a much lower price compared to other brands by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. All suitcases are made with German polycarbonate, unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, very lightweight, this is true, and I've had them thrown all around by TSA, and they haven't broken A patent-pending compression system inside helpful for overpackers like me. 360-degree spinner wheels guarantee a smooth ride. Yep, I do that thing all around. TSA-approved combination lock built into the top of the bag to prevent theft. Both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge all cell phones, tablets, e-readers, and anything else that's powered by a USB cord. A single charge of your Away carry-on will charge your phone five times. So yeah, basically like anything else, you have to plug your suitcase in once in a while, but I still haven't had to recharge mine yet. You get a 100-day trial when you get Away Luggage. You can live with it, travel with it. You can Instagram it. If at any point you decide it's not t- uh, not for you, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. Free shipping within the lower 48 states. If you're in town, which is New York City, please visit the actual Away store there. And um, again, for $20 off of a suitcase, visit away.com slash Fun and use promo code fun at checkout. And I have a real life email from a listener who uses Away luggage. I've been saving this up for when they were uh, coming up to sponsor again. So let's see what this woman Alexis says. I did it. I'm a busy businesswoman, lawyer, and will be traveling a ton this month for work. And I'm ready to not be embarrassed in front of my boss, another busy businesswoman, by my luggage. I ordered the carry on in and in medium. I ordered the carry-on and medium in white and used the travel.com slash fun address and fun promotion. It felt great treating myself to awesome goods and supporting you, a virtual big sister who brings joy to my commutes with your podcast. Thanks for the promotion. Best of luck to you and looking forward to seeing you live on tour. Away luggage, real life email. You can use my name, Alexis. There you go. There you go. All right. Back. Back to the show. How long have I been doing? What? Why is time going so slow? Hello, hello. Oh my God. All right. I'll tell you guys what I did last night, even though it's not really last night. I really feel like I should air this one. I can't. I just did the ad. What am I? I can't do it. It's, 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 I fucked myself by doing this. Usually when I record in advance, I don't do the ads in advance when I add them in later, but I done fucked up. I fucked up So, alright, people Here's the deal Oh, so somebody bought tickets Oh, th- here's 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 something Tomorrow night At the Hollywood Improv Lab That is April 4th You can come to my show And uh, it's the last one I'm doing In Los Angeles for a while Not till winter Will I do another one And it's where I work out new stuff And I sit on a stool And I just kind of talk to you guys It's super fun I always have a special guest or two It's a great show Keep it under 90 minutes. Uh, it's pretty quick. Um, it's only 10 bucks. And uh, there's a bar there. You don't have to drink, but you can if you want to. It's a real cute, intimate space. It only seats about 50 people. So maybe 60. So it's been great. It sells out every month. I've been doing it since January 2017. The problem is, it'll sell out so far in advance. Sometimes people forget to come. So I do the show two weeks ago. And, uh, 28 people had bought a block of tickets and did not come And so the room looked half full and it's a small room. So it was like this is set. And I kept having to tell the audience this did sell out But they didn't come and so the general manager called The number and it was this little old lady in texas who was like, hello And she was like, this is the gm of the hollywood improv. She's like, what's a gm? And She's like general manager uh, we noticed you bought 28 tickets. Do you have an ETA? She's like, what's an ETA? I mean, I wouldn't know this stuff either. And uh, she, she goes, estimated time of arrival. She goes, well, I'm in Texas in bed right now. And my kids all live out there. I, I guess they bought it. And I don't know what, where they are tonight. I can't help you. So whoever this group is, these are hooligans from Texas, and I'm, I'm paranoid now. I'm paranoid. I got I r- Russian trolls after me. I got haters that protest my shows, that boycott my shows, that I, a lot of shit's happened. I know for a fact that there is a thing where you can buy blocks of tickets to a show and fuck with someone and by not showing up. The point is to buy out the thing, so then when the performer gets there, there's no one there. So I'm like, is that what happened? Um, I even told an I seem funner who was buying some merchandise for me after the show And he basically was like, you could be crazy. I don't know you But that sounds as plausible as anything else But I will tell that I seem funner that I spoke to That the story was That they were purchased They bought 10 at a time then 10 then 8 And this old woman said it was her kids and she doesn't know so maybe it was all on the up and up I don't fucking know um Maybe, I don't know whether they bought that many. But um, so in the future, we have changed. You cannot buy more than four tickets at once. And um, if somebody with the same credit card keeps buying a lot, they will be under suspicion. But the good news is, what has come out of this, my folks, is that there is a big old waiting list that you can get on. Now, the, April 4th is not sold out yet, so you can just get tickets right now. Go to jenkirkman.com, click tour dates. But if it says sold out, Trust me Trust me You can get in Go to the hollywood improv get there between 630 and 715 if you can Put your name on a waiting list and if people don't show by 740 I let you in Well, I tell the box office let them in um listen Just try it because I am so tired of selling out and then performing, there's always an issue where like the people that bought tickets don't come. So I ain't playing that anymore. And I told the improv, you got to let everyone who comes in, in. So I would not, um, first of all, I would just get a damn ticket because that's, that's what happens. So anyway. Um, so yeah. And I'll tell you all about my surgery. That's all. Hey, Al Madrigal. I'll tell you all about my surgery. Um, Al Madrigal waving. One of the founders of all things comedy, just walking in, just like he owns the place because he fucking does. (laughs) Hi, Hi, Al. How are you? Great. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. I'm doing I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Would you like to promote anything? I have I'm Dying Up Here coming out. Oh, that's right. I forgot to mention Al is one of the stars of I'm Dying Up Here, Showtime. The fantastic show about stand-up comedy in the 1970s and you look fantastic on the show it's a good look for you yeah yeah you might yeah. yeah uh i think that's fantastic i think well i think all men look better in a 70s outfit and hair situation so that's just my prejudice a lot of hairy cloth a lot of chest hair mm-hmm I don't mind that. I don't even mind a necklace. I really don't. Yeah. bell bottoms are great. They don't look good on everyone, admittedly, but I think it's a good look. I think because men actually wore clothing that even the t shirts were cool. There wasn't a lot of this th- th- leisure wear going on. You know, it wasn't like long t shirts and then, duh, duh, duh. you're totally right. These guys are in hoodies now with t shirts. Yeah. And uh, men were dressed up in college shirts. Yeah, they gave a shit. A lot of There was a lot of, like, part of ego and machismo for a man back then was, I want to look good. And then somehow that got turned into, like, you're gay, you're a pussy, you're... And it's like, no, it's manly to want to look good. And I think the Italian community in the New York area is one of the only communities I see that has kept that up. Like, there's a lot of, like, I got the hair. You know, we saw it with um, Jersey Shore. It's like, I've got my primping, I got the hair, I got the outfit. Cologne, I think Latinos, are keeping, that Latinos are keeping it real. Yeah, yeah. they're keeping it. Uh, what's I don't even know what the word is. Keeping it dressed up. But yeah. Everybody's well um, I in. I wanted to grab my uh, backpack. Oh, come on in and get it. All right, I'm going to continue whatever the fuck I was babbling about. Okay, so people, I did this event last night, a political event. Don't get crazy. Called fund her. By Mr. Mr. Madrigal, um, called Fund Her. It is about uh, reaching, as they call it, gender parity in the all the branches of government in the state of California by 2028. And uh, there was some interesting fact. So they asked my friend Kurt Braunohler, very funny comedian. He and his wife were involved. With this organization and he said let me hook you up with the ladies who are running it that you Do you want to do something like a keynote speech or lead a panel and I was like me? What am I gonna, who am I? But uh, I led a little panel about It was like a 15-minute thing, you know, like hollywood, but uh, basically my point of my speech was like Young girls can't be what they can't see. So representation is important If you have all the most liberal men in the world who are making good policies for the ladies um, in California, that's fantastic. But you need to, you know, again, you need to see so you can be. And it's something men don't even think twice about because they've always been represented, you know. And there's even a million choices. You can go, that guy's bad, and, this guy's amazing, and this guy's sort of in the middle of what I like. But women is very few. And um, the, one of the stats I read was the recently they ranked – the 24 countries that have the most women in power, like the 24 countries that have women in power the most. We ranked 91. The audience gave a big gasp. It was very fun speaking where you don't have to be funny. You just have to be interested. And in environments like that, even the littlest thing can be funny because it's not supposed to be. And I'm like, I want to be a fucking politician. But I, as much as I make fun of him, the kind of politician i would be and i know it in my heart is bernie sanders i'm i'm getting on this tv now and i'm talking here and i like the crowds or trump i like the crowds well i have to go to work in this dark office building why do we have gray file but then part of me see i love administration and i love work and i love getting passionate i'm not afraid of anyone you know i'll yell it Ted Cruz or Rubio and fuck you We're doing this and make a speech on C-SPAN and ah I would love To do that and I and I love file folders And all but see this is my I've got a fun file folder it's black with Gold polka dots and And one of my merchandise bumper stickers is on it this is I'm just a soul trapped in a body Which ironically is what I said Right before I went under anesthesia The last time I went under and the doctor told me that When I woke up and I was like well that's kind of cool So Part of me is like I wish I could run for something and I guess I could and maybe I shall But you don't want to be one of these assholes who's just like i'm starting at governor I won't say any names or i'm starting at president And so I think I would have to start small like the council of this and that here And then you kind of keep moving your way up, but it's a big time commitment and it's a big life overhaul And so it's kind of one of those things where, you know, i'm I have a certain kind of mindset It's like, for me, it's all or nothing. Everything very black and white. It's like, well, now I'm a politician. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you can be, so it's, I'm not good with balancing things like that. I'm suddenly just like, can't I wake up and just be in the Senate? No, you can't. But, um, and then, you know, and and what everything about Al Franken, I don't want to get into the whole thing. I have a different opinion than most women on on that whole situation. Um, His book is fantastic about what it actually takes to run and how much money is involved and what you have to do to get these people's money. And uh, he was a real honest politician in his fundraising. And in his um, policy making, he really cared about these things. He had things he wanted to work on, like going into the Senate, some mental health stuff was really important to him. Um, there's addiction and disease of that nature in his family both married into an immediate so he wanted to work on some of those issues and he got some things done in that arena um so yeah i think you just have to like find your cause and and get in there but um it was really cool and then when i left these two little girls that spoke at the end i think they were related to some of the women that ran the event they were like we love you and it just made me so happy that little girls like i'm like can they come to my shows i'm like anywhere i can get fans but jamie lee curtis spoke and she spoke before me And then, um, you gotta, you gotta remember you did. I thought, oh, so I'm always a comedian. So you go, oh, perfect. Like anything, she was a surprise guest. So anything outrageous that happens is like the most perfect thing to talk about as a comic. So like one, my favorite night at a club was when the electricity went out and I had to work without a microphone and no lights. And we just had candles. It was like way fun because of the circumstance. I was way funnier or, or thought of as way funnier. People were impressed by it, because to them, they, that would be their worst nightmare. The no microphone, the electricity's out, and to a comic, it's like, oh, good, something weird's going on. It it puts everyone in a heightened state. There's excitement. There's It's just a great time to grab the tangible excitement. Was, that, it, a, was that at Largo? No, but that did happen there, too, yeah. when I was there. I was at the Largo one. Was Russell Brand the headliner? No, he was a special guest. But he was on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was on that show as well, and I was hoping... That I remember saying on stage, I hope, I, I wished the lights had stayed off. And I was like, yeah, and, yeah, they came back on. Yeah, that's yeah right. and I remember, I think the whole audience was on my side. I think they were like, yeah, we wish. And I want to say, this is how the memory tricks you. I want to say they turned the lights off for my set, but I don't think they did. <laughs> but um, that was the night that Russell Brand, and I've talked about this many times, I don't know if publicly on this podcast, but um, he has a habit where he poops in a toilet before a show. And he doesn't flush. And then he gets on stage. And so everyone, it, it's happened to um, a few other comics I know, also at Largo. Um, and a couple of people I know have experienced this in other parts of the world. And I went into the bathroom and I... <laughs> thinking about it now, I just want to vomit. <laughs>
1: Jeez. The worst
0: part, was he had tight leather pants on? And then the... <laughs> I can't talk about it, but I'll just blurt it out really quick. There was no toilet paper in the toilet bowl. (sighs) Okay, so I think he pooped and didn't wipe and then put his tight leather pants on. Okay, I'm going to vomit. Okay, I have to stop thinking about that. Okay, so I'm sitting there thinking, Jamie Lee Curtis is going to come on. like, well, she's coming on. I was like, great, I already know what I'm going to say. I'm going to get up and be like, I have to follow Jamie Lee Curtis. And I said, I'm so excited to be here. I did not know. I was going to have to follow Jamie Lee Curtis. And that's why I am here tonight. Because I did not know I was going to have to follow Jamie Lee Curtis. People were like, ha, But I was like, oh, they're not a common crowd; they don't get. But then the people that run the event were like, we're so sorry we didn't tell you. I'm like, no, I'm not really upset. It's just a a funny thing to say to pretend you were intimidated by that. Um, Which I wasn't. I'm not like, oh, I'm the same as her. I'm just like, this is an event where they're not caring who's a celebrity and who isn't. But anyway, she looked great. She seemed great. I didn't meet her. But my friend watched her watch me and she seemed to enjoy my speech. So that was sort of fun. But it was like a real event, like 250 people at tables. and It was a dinner and it was a ballroom in Beverly Hills. And I was like, I'm a grown up. Like it was a really weird feeling. Um, I didn't get much applause when I came to the stage. I don't think they fucking knew who I was. And I feel like you just got to applaud for everybody equally. Um, oh, shit. I got to go in a minute. All right. Well, what time? How many minutes do I have left? I have 29 minutes left? No, I've done 49? Yes, we've done 49. Oh, okay. Um, Well, I'll end on this. So I know I went off about the dry bar and how I just don't like... I did a whole episode about if I ran the dry bar, what I would do. And then um, I stayed a member, so you pay a certain amount every month. And it it, it stays in your account, so then when you go get a blowout, you ostensibly don't pay for it because you've already paid your monthly membership, but it's like so then they all be so it's technically a discount rate that you're getting. So I go in uh in in New York a few months ago, and the girl did my hair so bad, and I never complained, but I was like, I'm so sorry, but like you just bent it in half and it looks burnt and like I think we gotta fix this and she just looked at me and then literally ran away, like ran away like she saw a mouse, and then a manager came over and I was like, I didn't say anything to hurt her like her reaction is like how we all feel inside when we make a mistake But I didn't yell at her like I don't know why she's running so She oh my god, I didn't even tell you about the weird Oh my god, my whole episode that I was gonna do today. That's why I brought up the surgery was about these mental case, um voice therapy coaches I saw recently and how Oh, my God, great. I'll talk about that on another episode. I already have a story to talk about on another episode. So anyway, that happened. And then the manager at the other place was one of those people that was like, I I was saying like, Hey, I'm, she walked over. She goes, has there been a problem? I said, Oh my God, first of all, she ran off and I am so sorry. I, I did not say anything like bad to her. So as I'm doing that, she's going, I can't really help you unless you tell me what the problem is. I'm like, no, no, no. She's like, you're getting hysterical. I'm like, no, I'm not like, I'm not like that at all. And so I was like, it's just that she burnt my hair and bent it. She's like, well, what did you tell her you wanted? I'm like, and I showed her a picture that I'd showed the hairdresser. Of me with burnt bent hair that the dry bar had done a few weeks earlier And I was like I told her I didn't want this and I was very clear and I They have pictures of what your hair can look like. That's what you go. I want this one I want the that one and so I'd said I want the that one and she didn't do it She did the and so the woman was like, let me fix it She starts putting the curling iron and i'm like, no, it's making it worse Like I I think you guys need to wash my hair and start over And she was like, okay, and so then it was just like, you know what i'm gonna fucking just wear a hat I'm just going to wear a hat. Because I had an event to go. I just wore a hat. And so then I canceled my membership after that. And that was a nightmare. I tried to cancel. It was like, you can't cancel. You have to call this number. You're on hold for an hour. Then you have to go into a store. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. So I wrote an email to them. I'm like, look it. And I was all mad. And I'm like, I am a public figure with a lot of followers. And I will tell them how, how you were <laughs> not letting me cancel. And so anyway, before the, uh, fund her event, I went to, um, the, the drive bar and, uh, I don't have a membership anymore. It's paid. And this, they, they, she did a great job. This woman comes over and she's like, Jen Kirkman, I'm a big fan. I loved you since Chelsea lately. Now, anyone who's a big fan of mine, they don't listen to the podcast because people who listen to the podcast lead with that because they know, uh, the other fans are like Chelsea Lately, Drunk History, Netflix specials, but a lot of people don't know I have a podcast. So she comes over and she's like, big fan. She's like, oh my God, I won't bother you. I know you have to get your hair blown, but just thank you for coming in here and all this stuff. And then, um, and then I got the best service ever. And then uh, I got to the cash register and they were like, it's been taken care of. And I saw that lady. I was like, did you do this? And she's like, yep. And I'm like, oh, thanks. So after I bashed them, they treated me really nicely. Um, but I think it was just that one location with that one. Pr- I don't know what that woman does for dry bar exactly. But part of me is like, maybe she did know that I totally bashed them for a while. So I don't know. I can't really figure out who it was, but they gave me some major celeb treatment. And what was interesting was I had been next door at the place that, that you can get your makeup done. And there was a woman doing my makeup and she's like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I'm doing a political event. So, it was like a good enough answer that shut her up and she didn't go like, why? What are you in politics? Like, thank God she stopped talking. <clears throat> I tried to rejigger the question like a good politician does to assume that she was asking based on what she needed to do. So I was like, it's not on camera. There could be pictures, but it's live. So just, you know, don't make it look too crazy. And I know that's not what she was asking because you already tell them what you want before that. But I was like, F- I'm just going to play it up. So, but then this woman comes in And she's like, hey, Nina, whoever the woman's name is doing my hair. And Nina's like, how'd the show go the other night? She's like, amazing. She's like, and because I brought so many people, I get to do a show in the bigger room next time. I think she was talking about doing a show maybe at the comedy, at the Laugh Factory the Comedy Store. I don't know. And I turned around, and I have never seen this girl. Of course, there's a lot of comics I've never seen. But she didn't recognize me. And I get offended when someone just starting out, it's like, oh my God, it's going so well. And then there's Jen Kirkman, well-known stand-up comic worldwide, and says nothing, doesn't recognize me. This happened at a restaurant in Brooklyn. And this is how pathetic I am. I get off work. Well, this part's not pathetic. And there's a really cool place next to where I was, my Airbnb was. And I was like, you know, I'm not ready to go home yet um, and begin my like laundry or whatever I was doing that night. I'm like, I'm just gonna have a glass of wine at the bar. Glass of wine at the bar. So I sit at the bar, have a glass of wine. And there's a girl at the table, and she's with a bunch of people, and and you can tell that she knows half of them, and one of them doesn't know she does stand up. And he's like, so you get up there in front of all those people? And she's not annoyed with the questions at all. She's like, I love it. He's like, do they heckle you because you're a woman? She's like, that doesn't really happen anymore. And I I turned my full body to face the table so she could see me and thank me. For that's why they don't heckle women anymore. Because me and my girls were pounding the pavement of New York City in the late 90s, going to clubs, being told women aren't funny, you can't perform here, and us trying to do it anyway, or just taking it on the chin and not performing there and doing our own rooms and our own shows and eventually getting good and eventually getting on Netflix and this and that. And now it's a lot more equal than it was. And it was not for the fact that society just changed on its own is because women kept doing it. And you, lady, you owe me a debt of gratitude. What do you mean? How is, I'm turning around in my seat. I'm, I'm just sitting there like this, like looking at them like I'm in my living room and they're a TV show. But how does she know? Oh, that's Jen Gargman. She's, uh, she's worked with John Rivers and she's had two Netflix specials and she's been around for 20 years. The people don't know who I am. But it was interesting that at one place they didn't. And then you go next door and then someone's like, oh my God, you're my favorite. So you never know in this crazy world. But I I do want to tell you people, I have an ego and I'm not uh, ashamed. Well, I am ashamed, but I'm not ashamed to admit it because I know that we all do. But um, maybe that would be a fun, I seem fun question. If you want to email the podcast, I seem fun at gmail.com. Do you have an ego? um, Whether it's, whether you know in this moment, oh, I'm being an asshole about some work you do when you, I don't mean you don't get recognized like your boss doesn't say good job, but like in the sense of, I don't know, whatever it is. Do you ever feel this way at work where your your ego feels like deflated and you're like, wow, did I just do all this for, am I just being passed by? Am I just, uh, yeah, the, the younger, as Jerry Seinfeld once said, the babies are here to replace us. So younger people who do what you do are here to replace you. God damn it. Well, all right. That's all I got to say. Until next week, have fun.